This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. John uh, mentioned that he likes the cold, and one person who doesn't like the cold is my wife. If you don't know, my wife is from Arizona, and um, she really loves me a lot to live in Canada. And, you know, the other day we were outside cleaning both of our cars, some snow off, and she had her, you know, full parka gear on and everything, and she looked at me with all sincerity in her heart, and she's like, you couldn't have been from California, huh? <laughs> All right. Um, just have one further announcement to uh, add to what Alan said. Uh, in March, we are going to be doing biblical studies all of the Wednesday nights in March from 7 p.m. to 8.30. And my dad is going to be teaching uh, biblical studies. Dr. Coulter is a doctor of theology. And uh, the big title that we're going to be discussing in... March on Wednesday evenings is why did Jesus have to die? So biblical studies is a a very in-depth study of the Bible, a little bit different than what we do on Sunday mornings. Um, And so if you're interested in studying the Bible further about this topic, uh, we invite you out for all the Wednesday nights in March. And as we answer that question, we're going to also be looking at a couple other things that we're going to be looking at the magnitude of what happened on the cross and also the magnificence of redemption. And he has told me that he thinks this is, this is the best uh, biblical studies so far that he, he's done. So if you like the other ones, you will like this one. It's going to be a great time Wednesday nights in March. Um, also, last week we uh, joined with the Super Bowl and had our own Super Bowl in a sense of uh, combining with Eden Food for Change last week. And we invited you to bring um, some food in and stuff to help the food bank. And we emphasize butter. I don't know if you remember that. I hope you, I'm glad many of you came back. But just to let you know, last week you guys brought in 1,225 pounds of food. That's amazing. <laughs> to be able to feed hungry people in our city, and specifically 145 pounds of butter. That's a lot of butter. And I'm not sure how healthy that is, but you, you brought it in to be able to, to feed people in Western Mississauga, so way to go with that church. Um, so we started a series last week about the Holy Spirit, and we called this series Elements, and those R-A-F-I and W-I, those are all short for rain, fire, and wind. And within the scripture, we see these analogies, these metaphors used over and over again, to help us to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And so we, we launched this series last week. Uh, and if you missed the message last week and you're tracking with us uh, as part of our church family, I encourage you to go back 
I laid a lot of foundation last week, some doctrinal understanding about the Holy Spirit, some understanding about the Trinity. I don't want to have to necessarily go back over all that information, uh, but that's important for you to catch up with this. Uh, so we are looking at trying to understand from the scripture who the Holy Spirit is. And as I mentioned to you that I have, you know, a, a diverse background as being a part of different churches and, and different denominations and, and Pentecostal and charismatic background and also mainline conservative Christianity background. And so whatever background is that you have, I've got you covered. Don't worry. And uh, we'll address all of the things as it relates to the Holy Spirit. But um, as I mentioned last week, when we think about the Holy Spirit, sometimes it, depending once again on our background, and it might conjure up certain things or it just might be the last two words you said in every prayer. And we didn't necessarily go beyond that or we, um, we weren't sure or we, we maybe seen strange things at church and we're, we're not sure about who the Holy Spirit is. And, I, and like I said, it's very easy sometimes as I would picture God growing up, we would think of God as sort of with a gray beard on a throne full of wisdom, can't necessarily see his face. And, you know, and then Jesus, Jesus is very easy to understand. We can just look at the Gospels and... We would see who Jesus is and what he does and what he emphasized. But then maybe uh, the Holy Spirit, we're just not so sure about the Holy Spirit. Or maybe he's sort of the crazy uncle of the Trinity. We just never know what he's going to say or never know what he's going to do. And as we look in the scripture, the scripture will help us to understand who he is. And that's our first big major point, that the Holy Spirit is a he. He's a person. He's not an it. He's not just a thing, because when we think about spirit, we kind of think of sort of, or if we would say it from the King James, the Holy Ghost, we, we would think of some sort of disembodied presence or force or something. But when we think about and understand from the scripture who the Holy Spirit is, that he is um, the third member of the Trinity, and his personality is not different from Jesus or God the Father, that he's not off doing his own thing. We talked a lot about that last week and how the Spirit of God has proceeded from the Father. And the Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God with us. And when I mean personal, I don't mean me alone. I mean it is his personality. It is who God is and he is with us. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we have this relationship with God that by the Holy Spirit that God is revealing to us that we are the sons and daughters of God. So once again, these are all things that happen in the context of relationship that our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, is in the context of relationship that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. God is our Father. And the, the personal presence that we're having with Jesus and God is through the Holy Spirit. And we referenced this, these verses last week, Romans 5, verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So here is a, a water metaphor referencing the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would be poured into us. We've heard these terms, or maybe you haven't heard these terms, being filled with the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is filling us up. And the first thing that we would want to see in reference to the Holy Spirit filling us up, when he pours himself into us, what do we understand? Because God's love has been poured into us through the Holy Spirit. So what is God pouring into us? When he's pouring his spirit into us, he's pouring in love. 
His love has been given to us. So this is the, the baseline of the whole series, is understanding that what God does in us by His Spirit, He's doing from this place of love that existed with, from the, with the Trinity from eternity past. And now what God is doing in relationship with us is from a place of love. And then the things that God would use us to be a part of empowering us, and we're going to talk about this later in the series, empowering us, strengthening us for service, the things that God would use us to do to accomplish with the power of the Holy Spirit should come from a place of love, not from a place of competition, not from a place of arrogance, not from a place of we believe in the Holy Spirit, other people in the body of Christ don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, so we're better than the other group within the church. That's an arrogant place. God doesn't want to use us from an arrogant place. He wants, us to, u- he wants to use us from a place of love. Because why? The Holy Spirit has been poured into us, and God is pouring his love into us. So we're going to continue on today a little bit, and we're going to talk about fire. And what fire represents um, in the scripture, and what it would mean to us. And once again, back to... Um, you know, depending on your tradition, you know, if a preacher started preaching really loud, somebody would say, well, that's a fiery preacher, or the fire of the Holy Spirit is on, on that preacher because somebody got really loud in church. And so we'll look at the fire and they're just burning. And, um, you know, we would want to understand, once again, as we keep going back to the Word of God, the Word of God is going to help us so much to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what all of these metaphors mean to us personally. So let's go to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. And this is John the Baptist speaking, and he's going to be speaking to us about Jesus. And he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. And so here we have water referenced again. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, talking about Jesus, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And fire. So here we have this baptism reference once again. um, Water being used as an example for the Holy Spirit. And then also fire being used as an elemental understanding of the Holy Spirit. So he's going to baptize us. What does baptize mean? It just means to be submerged. That Jesus is going to submerge us in the Holy Spirit. He's going to pour his spirit upon us. He's going to pour his spirit in us. And then we see this with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand, he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with the unquenchable fire. So what does fire mean in the scripture? Does it just mean loud preaching? Is it just, you know, somebody who's super excited in church? Is that what the fire of the Holy Spirit is? Well, in the scripture, fire actually means judgment. That we would see and understand that fire uh, means The judgment of God. And so if we go back to verse 12, and once again, since we're all not farmers, this is kind of blind to us a little bit. Verse 12 says, His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff will be burned with the unquenchable fire. Now, what I understand from uh, reading some commentaries is what these farmers would do is that they would have, they would take in a harvest and there would be, you know, grain in the harvest and there would be straw and, and all these different things that are not usable. And what they would do is they would have on this threshing floor, they would take sort of a pitchfork, so to speak, and they would pick up 
um, all of the harvest and they would throw it up in the air. And what would happen is all of the stuff that was unusable, unusable by the wind would get blown away. And all of the grain that was usable that they could make bread and different things with, that grain, which was heavier, would fall down in the bottom of the threshing floor. And then they would have something usable, that all the rest of it would get blown away in the wind. And then specifically, he's saying here, when, when this thing would happen, that the fire of God, the judgment of God, would actually burn up the useless things, and, and referencing then our lives, that the fire of God would burn up the unnecessary things, the useless things in our lives. And what would be left would be the things that are usable. So when we think about the fire of God or we think about judgment, I I, I would say it's probably not our favorite thought to think about. Uh, We don't actually like judgment. And specifically, we don't actually like other people judging us. And it's kind of a famous phrase in society today, isn't it? Don't judge me. You shouldn't judge me. You don't qualify. And we don't actually like people judging us because they, uh, part of the problem with the other people that we know that are judging us or are measuring us, that they have a lot of issues too. Do you notice this? That all the people that are judging the other people, they've all got problems. We've all got problems. So none of us, in a sense, qualify to be one another's judge, but we know someone who does qualify to be our judge, and that is God. God, the Holy Spirit... What he wants to do in our lives is he wants our lives, he wants what's usable and valuable to be left. And all of the other and unnecessary things to be blown away in the wind or burnt up, as it were, in the fire of God. And then what that, that grain that's valuable is the thing that should be left behind. The scripture talks about, and we read this last week, that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. And so when we think about the truth about myself and the the truth about who I am and God and the truth about maybe my shortcomings is that God simultaneously brings his judgment and forgiveness to us. That he judges our sin, he judges what's coming up short in me and then he also offers me forgiveness for that sin and then he wants to burn away the rest of those things that are unnecessary. And he's the only one that qualifies to do that. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 says this. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says in verse 13, but we ought to always give thanks For you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So we have this word here that we don't generally use on a daily basis, kind of a Bible word, sanctify, that he would sanctify you completely. And then it says through sanctification by the Spirit, that God is going to be, by His Spirit, sanctifying us. Now, this word, uh, sanctify, it means to set apart for something good. Now, some of you um, in your homes, you might have maybe a separate dining room, and then you have a certain cabinet in that dining room that has um, the special china that you maybe only use at Christmas time or 
you know, a Thanksgiving or when really important people are coming to your house, you put away the, the normal average dishes, the ones that maybe are nicked up a little bit and have some stuff on them and maybe some marks, you know, from your babies and different things like that. And you bring out the, the special dishes. Now, what you've done with those dishes is you have sanctified them. You have set them apart for a special use, for a special purpose. And this is what God says about you. And this is what God says about all of us, that he wants to sanctify us. He has set us apart for his purposes, that everybody who's born that has a purpose from God is sanctified, has valuable gifts and talents and abilities, and we'll talk about that later in the series. But everybody's life is important to God. And so what is God saying? That he's sanctifying us, that he is setting us apart. And then sanctification also means purify. It means to cleanse. It means to consecrate. It also means to declare holy. Now, as we think about all of these terms, that we think about sanctify and sanctification, and we think about purify, and we think about being holy, are all of these terms just religious terms? Are, are they just sort of things that only exist at church and we just read them from the Bible? Or is there any practical understanding for us in our lives? And I believe that there's tremendous practicality and I think there's tremendous meaning when we think about the sanctifying process that we are on with God. That by God's Spirit, He is sanctifying us, present tense. That He is setting us apart, that He has a purpose for our lives. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, but we, always, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit. Did I, oh, that was the one I read already. Sorry, Titus chapter 3. It was so good, I wanted to read it again. <laughs> Titus chapter 3, verse 4 says this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of our works done, in our, done by us and our righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing, we see this metaphor of water, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. This renewal, this regeneration. That he has poured out on us. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 says this. It says to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So here we've got all of these things. We've got all of these principles. We've got all, all these scriptures I've just read with sanctification, renewal. And so what do all these things mean for us in our lives today? So when we think about our salvation, when we think about uh, the scripture, and, and, and it's something that we actually don't think about ourselves, that God, when we receive Christ, when we receive a relationship with God, that he actually cre creates us and recreates us and he calls us holy. Now, does anybody think that they qualify for that word? That you're holy. 
the scripture actually says and calls you saints. And when we think about, uh, you know, saints, we would think of these are like really holy people. And I don't qualify as a saint. But the scripture actually says that you are a saint. And one of the ideas of sanctification is that, is that God is actually calling you this. That he's actually calling you holy. That he's actually, in a moment of time, that you experience salvation from God and he declares you holy. And that their destiny is forever set within the context of a relationship with God and we will be with him forever. And so that our sin has all been washed away, and we're aware of this is, you know, simple gospel teaching. Our sin has been washed away. And because of what Jesus has done, that we are righteous. That has happened, and it's for us, and God has given it to us, and it's available for each person. But we also know that we are still living in our flesh. And our flesh, sometimes, we would describe it, it's just not holy. It just doesn't seem like I'm acting holy all the time. And the words that come out of my mouth, they don't necessarily seem holy all the time. And sometimes, you know, I just kind of, it's not good. And then the, the scripture is saying here that he would regenerate us, that he would be renewing us. So we're taking all of these spiritual ideas, the sanctification and this holiness... And he's declaring us holy. And on a daily basis that we would realize and know that the Holy Spirit is renewing us, regenerating us. He has done it once for all, forever. We are changed and we will be with God. But on a daily basis, that it would be true that sometimes we need to go back to the threshing floor and have all of our lives thrown up in the wind and have all of that extra stuff just blown away in the wind or burnt up by God's judgment. All of that stuff that's unnecessary because God has sanctified you. He has set you apart. And the sanctification process that we're going through will be the lifetime process of sanctification. That we will be becoming more and more Christ-like. And this is the perfect you know, friends and family plan. You know, we have uh, the friends and family plan for our cell phones. You know, we, we get to call each other and we get extra minutes. But do you know what the best friends and family plan is? Is allowing the Holy Spirit to change you. It's kind of the best thing for all of your friends and family. Is letting all of that unnecessary stuff, all of the stuff from the old self be blown away or to be burnt up or all of that unnecessary stuff. Now, can you, do you know what some of that stuff is? Now, we know your family knows. And all the people close to you know what that stuff is, but do we know? Would we actually, now think about it, do we actually want to submit ourselves and all of our ways and all of our thoughts and all of our attitudes and all of our words, do we want to Submit it to the judgment or the fire of the Holy Spirit. And I would say yes. The answer is yes. Whether or not you're judgment, fire, I don't so sure. But really what we do, we want to get rid of all of this extra stuff. We want to get rid of all of this unnecessary stuff. And we want the stuff that's usable to be left behind. We want that part of you, that that. The, the set apart, the special part of who you are, who God has created you to be, that you are 
the fine china in God's dining room. I just made that one up. (laughs) You are set apart for a purpose. Now, when we get into some of the the gifts of the Holy Spirit or or realizing uh, some of the gifts and, and talents that God has given you, we'll see some of this more. But realizing that you are important in the kingdom of God is very important. Realizing that what you do and what you say and what you can accomplish has tremendous value in the world. This is your one time through this world. We all get one shot at life. And the question is, are, are we just going to have all of this excess garbage for the rest of our lives? These attitudes and these words and these things and these, these, you know, all of the stuff that's sort of stuck onto us. Are we just going to let all of that stick onto us? Or are we going to go into the threshing floor of our lives, so to speak, and then just throw it up? And let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow the stuff away. Or let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn up that extra stuff, that unnecessary stuff, so that we can be functioning in that thing, that set-apartness, that sanctified you, that changed you, the, the part of you that's renewed on a daily basis by the Holy Spirit. So how do we... Uh, what is it that we need to do? What is that, that sanctified part of me? What is, in, in practical terms, what is, how am I going to live out a sanctified life? How am I going to walk with the Holy Spirit to live a sanctified life? So let's turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And look here in Galatians and see what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit. And once again, one of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to do is we want to be baptized by the Holy Spirit and fire. Burn up all of this extra stuff. Galatians chapter 5, it says this, But you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So here is what you and I are sanctified for. This is what we are set apart for. In 2016, as part of the church... As followers of Christ, this is what God has set apart. He has sanctified us for a type of life. Now, that type of life is going to be lived out different ways and in different contexts and through different gifts because all of you are gifted differently and you do different things and you work different places and you live in different families and different communities. But all of us, through those gifts, are set apart for this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Everybody say, walk by the Spirit. 
walk by the Spirit. Now, as I've mentioned, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. And if you um, came from a Pentecostal charismatic background, walking by the Spirit, it would have been a lot of different things. And you might have would have seen. And sometimes, you know, people, for me, you know, I, like I've told you before, I've, I've seen... I've pretty much seen everything in church. I've seen things you want to see in church and things you don't want to see in church, all right? And people that, people for me growing up, some of these people that claimed extra all of the time that just the Holy Spirit was leading them and, and they were walking by the Spirit, they just were just kind of weird. I'm just being honest, how I, I would perceive them as a young person. And, you know, I'm on a mission for, you know, no weirdness in Christianity. It's like my goal in life, all right? It's my lifelong goal. Christians should not be weird. Will you join me in this cause? <laughs> and once again, why, why would we understand that to be true? The Holy Spirit wouldn't do anything different than what Jesus would do. And if you go back through the Gospels... There's no, like, weird Jesus moment. Do you get me? There was no time where he couldn't have a conversation with somebody because he was just so anointed. He was just too anointed to have a normal conversation. And the scripture says that Jesus had the Spirit without measure. So the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. And then weird people got saved and they did stupid things and they said, well, that's the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was people. So one of my missions in life is to have a no weirdness Christianity thing going on, all right? It's kind of my thing. And so here, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church and he's saying, here's how you're going to walk by the Spirit. You're going to walk by the Spirit. And we were talking about this a couple weeks ago in the prayer series that, that God would be walking with us. That He would be um, sort of mentoring us as we would walk through life. And what does it look like to get mentored by the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to have the Spirit of God poured into you and to have Him put upon you? He's going to tell us. And he says, uh, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now I'm going to read you here this next section from the message paraphrase. It helps us to understand what the works of the flesh are. These desires or over-desires in our flesh. And comparing that to what it would mean to be led by the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 in the message paraphrase says this. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all of the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of metal, mental and emotional garbage. I love that phrase. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. 
trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes, divided lines, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of communion, a community. And then Paul says, I could go on. In other words, that's not an exhaustive list. But the first part talks about this selfishness, this outgrowth of selfishness. And then what it's going to look like. That we're going to, if we're going to follow the flesh, we're going to do all of these things or a version of some of these things. And I would venture to guess that we could see ourselves in some of these, this list of things or our measure of it. That the spirit wars against the flesh. And our flesh, just in these desires and this, this selfishness idea. See, part of what we have to know is selfishness will never get us to where we need to be. Selfishness is what needs to be burned up out of our lives. That's one of the things that when we throw up our lives in the threshing floor, that needs to be blown away or needs to be burnt up. So how is it that we're going to live these sanctified lives? when the useful part of the grain is left in my life and we're going to walk by the Spirit and we're going to be led by the Spirit, what is it going to look like? Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things, there is no law. Now it's interesting. It says the fruit of the spirit, singular, and then it goes on to list nine things. The fruit of the spirit is love. And then it actually gives us eight more words to describe how that love should look. So once again, as a, as a firm understanding about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. And then what's he, what he wants to do through a sanctified life. Stuff that needs to be in our friends and family plan. How we would live out our lives. As we are set apart for God's purposes. What are God's purposes through our various gifts that we will give to people in relationship? Now let's think about these things. So we, we read about all those things that are from the old man, the old me, and then these things. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. So what does it look like when someone's exposed extra to the Holy Spirit. Do they become weird or strange or unable to function? Unable to have a conversation? No, these are actually all relational things. 
These are actual, actually all uh, relational things that we need to bring into the context of our friends and our families. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. So this is what we're what we are bringing to our relationships. Yeah, yeah. That's what everybody needs to bring to me, Pastor Brett. No, no, no. This is what you need to bring. See, that, that's the selfishness. If everybody would do all of these things for me, I'd be a happy person. If everybody would do all of this for me, if everybody would do what I want, I would be joyful. No, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of being exposed to the Spirit of God is that you are going to have joy intrinsic in your soul regardless of what people do, regardless of how people act. Why? Because it is a fruit of the Spirit. That all that other stuff is being blown away and burnt up, and joy is going to be on the inside of me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. That I'm going to have peace in my life because of God's presence, because of the Holy Spirit, because of my relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. Here's, everybody like this next word? Patience. Patience. How many of us need to be sanctified from our impatience? Anybody want to risk raising their hand? This is what the Holy Spirit is training us to do, that we would be patient with the other people in our lives. Why, this is, this is what it means to walk with the Spirit. This is what it means to be led by the Spirit. Not just not letting impatience be, well, I'm just, that's just, it's just who I am. Well, it's time to throw it up in the threshing floor. And let God blow it away by His Spirit. Let Him burn it up by His Spirit. So that we that wouldn't be who we are. That we could be trained, that we could train ourselves by the Spirit of God as He walks with us to be patient. Kindness. I'm going through these slow on purpose, so we'll all just think about them. This just doesn't mean nice. This means kindness, that we would actually show kindness on purpose as we walk with the Spirit. Goodness, faithfulness, that we would be committed to people for the long term. That we're just not a friend today and then not a friend. Yeah, that's what everybody needs to do for me. No, 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 no. That's what you need to do for other people. Yeah, they need to be faithful. Yeah, no, I, yeah, they do. But we need to start with the person in the mirror, the person in our chair, that we would be a faithful friend. Gentleness, self-control. And once again, back to my no weird Christians idea. Some people say when they're so anointed or the Holy Spirit has come them, on them so much, they just lost all control. Yet one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Walking with the Spirit. 
that we actually are we're sanctified that we actually don't just give in to our desires and have our desires the first thing that we've actually sanctified ourselves by the Holy Spirit And then he says, against such things, there is no law. Now, that other behavior we talked about, the other behavior of our flesh, we, 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 in a sense, have laws in our society for all of those things, in a measure. All of those things, we have laws in our, in our society to say, no, you can't go beyond this point. If you go beyond this point, we're going to give you a fine, we're going to arrest you, we're going to put you in jail. You can't go beyond this point. But you know what? When it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, we're never going to hit the limit. We could just keep going. We could just keep going with joy and peace and patience and bringing those things into our relationships as we are led by the Spirit of God, as we are walking with the Spirit of God. Last verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The day we said yes to Jesus, God started something in us. Started, he's changed us. He recreated our spirits. And then as we walk with the Spirit of God, as we are led by the Spirit of God throughout the rest of our lives, we become more and more Christ-like. Sanctified, changed, holy. Letting the Spirit of God burn up all of that extra stuff, all of that unnecessary stuff. So that we can be sanctified, set apart, for his purposes. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for your goodness. And Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for the fire of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, we know that you are the only one that qualifies to be our judge. Lord, and we desire that today all of those unnecessary things in our lives, Father, all of those things that are holding us back, keeping us from our purpose, keeping us from our full potential. God, we want you to blow those things away. We want you to burn those things up by your spirit. Lord, we just submit ourselves again to you today. We submit ourselves to your lordship. We submit ourselves to your love. We submit ourselves to your spirit. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.